Hello, welcome to Good Games Well Played, episode 114. I'm Clint, aka JCM. With us this week is Izzy. Yo. And Messiah. Hello. And unfortunately, we were off last weekend. I was moving, couldn't get anything on, plus Sunday was Mother's Day, so uh, probably wouldn't be able to record it anyways. Uh, I had saved a bunch of news that happened during the week we were out, but I decided to just trim it out because at this point it wasn't super big and that important. So I, and I also cut out some other stuff I had saved from this week as well. Cause like, this is like, it's news, but do any of us really care about this particular bit? Probably not. Mm, true. So it's just like, I try to whittle stuff down where it's like, I don't want to just rattle off small things. I try to say things that at least, uh, people <laughs> are interested at least in. interested in talking about. Yeah, there are some times where it's like, like it could be like it hits that threshold of like it is pretty significant, even if none of us are necessarily about that game or that studio or whatever. It's like we could be like, you know, bring it up. Maybe something will come about it. Um, it's not like, you know, other podcasts, they usually like will, you know, share their dockets with uh, the other people on the call and be like, hey, you know, this kind of thing's going to talk about if you're interested, you know. Just let me know that way we, you know, I can kick it to you or stuff like that. We're not quite that organized, but uh, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, we'll start with the first bit of news. I saw that the Molasses Flood, who is the studio behind the Witcher spinoff, it's going to be happening. They got hit with some layoffs due to restructuring. Um, they were quoted saying from a CD Project Red spokesperson. Uh, that because Project Series changed, so has the composition of the team that's working on it, mainly on the Molasses Flood side. Uh, the concrete number of employees we parted ways with is 21 team members in the U.S. and 8 in Poland uh, working on the project outside of the U.S., obviously. That's uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, it was, uh, CD Project Red announced that Project Series had a new, quote, new framework uh, after restarting development. Uh, before that... There were concerns that CD Projekt Red had canceled the project outright after the company filed something of a to write off assets, uh, but they made it clear, like, hey, you know, it's going to keep going. We're not, you know, we're not canceling it, but there is going to be some uh, some restructuring. I feel like, and and this is something like we wouldn't have heard about if they hadn't come out and announced, like, hey, here's five Witcher things we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure this happens all the time, right? Like, you know. Uh, a studio starts working on something and maybe they internally they go, you know what, this isn't really kind of going the direction we want to go. Uh, let's go ahead and cancel it. Especially if you're not super far along in uh, development versus like, you know, when Santa Monica studios canceled that game that they were working on for so long and then they had to pivot to God of War. Uh, so it's like, it's like, yeah, we probably wouldn't have known about this, you know, unless, you know, well maybe that sometimes we hear about stuff like this because people go to Twitter or people like to follow LinkedIn posts and whatnot. And, and say like, oh, so and so's not there anymore. Let's dig into it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's. I'm, I'm curious to see like, well, we obviously will never know, like what iteration of this project was it that they didn't quite gel with, and then they mm-hmm. changed it. Like, what are going to be the differences? Um, but I, I, you know, that's something we'll, we'll probably never see. Um, but yeah, uh, and then next. We have uh, Overwatch 2 is canceling their PvE hero mode. Uh, I saw this. I know it's funny because I, I feel like Overwatch 2 isn't in the, I don't want to say like in Zeitgeist, but like isn't really in the conversation as much as like Overwatch 1 was back in the day. Mm-hmm. It could be just because there's so much more going on. Like, because when did Overwatch originally, was it 2016 Overwatch came out? It was the same year as Doom, wasn't it? Um, 
Or was it 20? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, when did... No, I got I to gotta look it up, figure out when uh, Overwatch 1 came out. Because I feel like when that came out, it was like, oh, big surprise. People weren't expecting it. I mean, um, it's definitely not the big thing anymore. Like, a lot of people still play it. It just... I think that it never took off as the main, like, um, esports game. And you only ever really hear about, like, whatever the number one esports game is which i don't actually even know what it is anymore yeah it came out in 2016 in may so it's like this was before battle royales really took off like there was obviously uh some br games that existed uh uh beforehand but PUBG hadn't hit yet and then fortnite didn't explode so it's like since the original overwatch it's like brs have become like one of the most popular multiplayer genres so it's just i'm sure trying to compete in that space uh, and this being like a, a team-focused cooperative shooter, uh, it, it's like, yeah, you have probably that certain kind of market who wants to play that kind of game and not play the battle royale or even play just like a you know a TDM style game. Uh, but yeah, it's like when this is, you know, versus when you were the new hotness in 2016, it's got to be tough to try to you know get back that player base plus all the stuff going on with you know Blizzard in general. I was just uh, gonna say, I wonder if. I would put money on the fact that everything that's going on with Blizzard probably has something to do with it. Also, the fact that, like, the PvE mode, from what I understand, was their big, like, reason for making a second game mm -hmm. and sunsetting the first game. And so I know that a lot of people were like, well, if they're going to sunset the original game and they're just making, like, they're just making the same thing and the big thing for it isn't even going to come out yet i might as well just wait and i'm not really going to play it i'm interested in the pve mode and you know blah 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 and stuff like that so i'm sure that had a lot to do with it too yeah they did say in a twitch stream uh executive producer jared noose uh explained the reason behind the cut pve content saying quote development on the pve experience has not really has not really Sorry, he, the way he was development on the PvE experience has not really hasn't made the progress that we have hoped. <laughs> Sorry, the way he, I like who knows if there is a gap between the words. Like usually mm -hmm. when people quote, they don't put the, the pauses. If someone is like trying to you know think about what they're saying, uh, the right. team we create uh, the team has created a bunch of amazing content. So there's awesome missions that are really exciting. There's brand new enemies that are super fun to fight and some truly great and ridiculous hero talents. But unfortunately, the effort required. To pull all of it together into a Blizzard quality experience that we can ship to you is huge, and there really is no end in sight or defined kind of end date where we can put that put it out into the world. And so we <clears throat> are left with a difficult choice: uh, do we continue to pour all the effort into PVE, hoping we can land it at some point in the future, or do we stick with this set of values that we have aligned on and focus on the live game and focus on serving all of you? With everything we have learned about what it takes to operate this game at the level you deserve, it's clear that we can't deliver on that original vision for PvE that was shown in 2019. What that means is that we won't be delivering that dedicated hero mode with talent trees, that long-term talent power progression. Those things are just not in our plans anymore. And we know this is going to be disappointing to many of you, which is why we wanted to bring it up before we talk about the roadmap. And to be perfectly honest, it's really difficult for many of us and a lot of the folks on the team that pour their heart and soul into that stuff. End quote. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, <clears throat> they they bit off more than they could chew. Uh, you know, the, Which, like, how does that happen with a company like Blizzard? I, I'm i sure like, it's something you're, like... You're a huge company. Yeah, it, it's got to be like, you know, just maybe you overscoped from the start 
and you just had this feature creep just keep coming in. You're like, oh man. And it's like, and every, and maybe all those, that stuff is really cool. And no one said like, Hey, let's tone it back, uh, you know, or what have you. And then it's just, and then you have that quality standard, you know, like they're saying. Um, so it's like, okay, we're just not, we can't do it. Cause we don't know when we can, we have so much stuff in there. We don't know how we're going to be able to polish it all into one package. It feels like it was shaping up to be something that was like over-promised and under-delivered and they'll be like, oh, well, don't worry, we're going to add things to it and it's going to be like a live service and it's going to get updates with the rest of the features and stuff like that. But I don't think Blizzard's really in a position to deliver something that was over-promised and under-delivered, especially with all the arbitration and everything going on right now. So it's like, it really feels like it was more of the conversation of like, if we release this as is with the promise of updates later, it's just going to make things worse. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's gotta be tough for the people that were working out like, you know, the mm-hmm. devs that like, Hey, you know, we come with these great ideas, shape it up nicely. And it's like, Oh, you know what? We're not gonna, we have no end in sight. We're going to have to cancel it. It's like, There's that's probably gotta... people have been working on that specifically for three years. Imagine the thing mm-hmm. you're working on for three years. is just like, we're going to throw it out. Yeah, that'd God. suck. Yeah, that would suck. <clears throat> yeah, not not having your your work see the light of day. I'm curious how they're going to spin it with the rest of Overwatch now. Like, Are they going to try to spin it in such a way that... Obviously, they're not going to sunset Overwatch 2. But if they're removing a main feature of what was promised... You know, what are they going to do to reverse the marketing on it and kind of make it a popular and relevant game still? Yeah. Right. Like, what resources are they now going to pour into the PvP mode kind of thing? Right. Yeah, who knows? Or if they'll come up with some sort of scaled down thing that'll be different to where they can say, like, oh, because this is something new, we could set expectations, you know, lower accordingly but pull some of that stuff that we created for the pve mode so hopefully you don't you know scrap it all uh, and at mm-hmm. least you use it in some other uh some other thing you know you hear about the lot where like people like scrap a project but they don't talk about it because they go well there's some ideas or whatnot that could make it into other things we do so they don't talk about you know what was lost because they they could save it um but yeah we'll see what happens uh, and then next we have Telltale's The Expanse Episode 1 is arriving July 27th on uh, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series consoles, and then PC via the Epic Game Store. Uh, this is, of course, <clears throat> the next Telltale game set before the events of the show. Um, so I know I'm curious to see, because I feel like The Expanse is one of those shows that has a, a strong following. So I'm curious how many people are going to be interested in playing uh, a Telltale game of the expanse oh i i definitely would i love the show and the book um well books and it spans long enough that there's a lot of world building to kind of make it their own yeah it's not one of those things where you're limited to like a very small set of story i mean they're the books i think there's nine of them now they span like 30 or 40 years timeline so they're approaching the phase where you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want in that world. And as long as you kind of get the the main basics right, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I think it could work really well. I think it suits them. If they can yeah. pull off Borderlands, they can pull off The Expanse. 
True. Well, it's did they did you play the because they released uh did they release a recent Borderlands game as the new Telltale? Oh, I haven't played the new one. I played Tales from the Borderlands, but right, not... which was the old Telltale. So yeah. I'm curious how the new team is going to do. No, that's valid. Yeah. Yeah, because I think what I've seen, I've only seen like one person talk about it. Ryan McCaffrey at IGN, I think he mentioned on a podcast on Lockdown how he's a, he was a huge fan of uh, Telltale's original Borderlands series, and I think he was kind of lukewarm on um, the new one. But uh, again, I, I had no one else really talked about it outside of that, so I'm not sure how. It, to be honest, I forgot it. there was even a new one, which yeah. isn't a great sign, but yeah. Um, and then jumping back to Blizzard, BlizzCon 2023 will be held in person, uh, this year. They haven't done it in quite a while. Uh, they obviously COVID in 2020, they canceled it in 2021. They did full digital. And I think they did the same in 2022. So it'll be back. I'm curious what attendance will be like, uh, at BlizzCon. because of everything. Say, yeah. E3's canceled, but BlizzCon still exists. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I figured, you know, they got... Because usually when they do BlizzCon, they they talk about, you know, their games have such a following that they can, you know, do panels on development for their games, Q&As, roadmaps for what's ahead. Uh, and then they also used to do eSports uh, e tournaments. Um, BlizzCon was where the WCS finals used to be for like StarCraft II uh, back in the day. And, they don't do that anymore though, do they? Uh, they dropped the WCS. WCS went away for, at least for StarCraft II, a uh, couple years back, um, which sucked because that was always fun. Like you had, because WCS was was in four different. It was like each season had four uh, WCS tournaments, and then all the other tournaments that were uh, linked to it would give you point, give the players points if they won, and depending on their placement and yada yada. But the WCS tournaments were always the bigger ones, uh, and then they would culminate in the BlizzCon finals, um, which are always fun to watch. And I think they also had like. Overwatch, and uh, I'm not sure what else they had at, at BlizzCon besides StarCraft, but that was always it was always fun to watch. Um, but yeah, they they really sidelined a lot of their esports stuff with StarCraft years back, um, which sucked. But uh, yeah, I don't know if they if they still do it because obviously when the digital, yeah, I'm not sure if they had any sort of Overwatch, the Overwatch League, if that was there at all because I, I didn't follow that esports so i'm not sure but yeah i'll be curious to see what a uh, attendance will be like um yeah because i i almost considered going there one time uh, i think in like 2016 maybe um because there was like the 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 finalists that were going to be uh, a lot of the players that i really liked uh were going to be in the finals for starcraft 2 um and i was like man it's it's in cali it's like I could go and just see the the finals live, like actually see a StarCraft tournament live would be kind of fun, but uh, I never did end up doing that. Uh, and then next we had the we had rumors and leaks that PlayStation was going to announce a, a showcase, and then sure enough, this week they announced one, which will take place on the twenty fourth. So next week Wednesday, uh, it's going to be over an hour long. Um, it's longer than usual. Uh, it does say announced that an hour long, but I think it's supposed to be just slightly over an hour because um, it's going to start. Uh, yeah, it says they even said a bit over an hour. So uh, 
but yeah, it'll be focused on games coming to PS5 and PSVR 2. Um, no leaks on what'll be there, but I'm excited, you know? Like, obviously, they have to have... If Spider-Man 2 is going to come out in September, according to... Uh, or October, whenever that time frame is, according to Tony Todd, then they must have it there. Um, I could like, see that being their... Big one. Show stopper, big thing. And even though we know it's coming, I could see that being what the planned like big reveal is. Yeah, uh, they Sony does promise quote several new creations. Uh, I think from because they're going to also have some of their uh, third party partners as well. It's not going to be just uh, all first party. Let me see if I can look at the blog post and see if they uh, clarify any. Yeah, it says the show will run a bit over an hour. Focus on PS5, PSVR 2 games development from top studios from around the world. Expect a glimpse of several new creations from PlayStation Studios, as well as spellbinding games from our third-party partners and indie creators. So we'll have kind of a you know E3-style showcase where it'll be like, hey, here's some of the stuff our first party's doing, our third-party partners and indie creators are are working on. But yeah, I'm, it's at 1 p.m. though, which is like a really weird time. It's <laughs> for just after my lunch break, so thank you. Yeah, and I'm like... The benefit for me, like at least it's the, it's basically end of month, and like the after workday fifteen, it's kind of like that's when things slow down. It's not that there's many workdays after fifteen, but <laughs> it's like it's a little slow. Like I'm getting ready for that next cycle. Like every month, it's like you know got a got deadlines that that reset once the month starts. Um, so I can probably have a nice like, you know, have it up on a second screen, watch a kind of situation. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to be spoiler free in in Discord with any of my reactions. But yeah, I'm I can a... see it being uh, yeah Spider Man, and I would also not be surprised if they talked about um, Armored Core since it's been a while since they've discussed anything Armored Core. Mm-hmm. Well, they showed that trailer recently that Vadi did a video on. Um, so I feel like I because they just showed that, I'm not sure that would be there. I'm and 16 won't be there because we just had a PlayStation. Uh, state of play with 16. Well, and 16 uh, is also launching in what, like two weeks or something? Does it launch? Yeah, beginning 16 of 16 is like two or three weeks from. Well, I guess 16 could be there if they want to be like, hey, this is launching. Don't, don't be it's there. It's June. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I hope it's not, but yeah. I could also still see them being like, this is launching in like two or three weeks. So it could be the last like marketing push for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe like just a small little thing, not initially yeah. a big segment. Um, I hope not a big segment. What's that? <laughs> Especially after the last one. What's that uh, indie game that came that was shown at a state of play? I'm totally blanking on the name of it, but it's like you're like a dude with a backpack and you go and like get treasures for uh, people who want it. It had that clip where it shows the guy like going poop, and then That's you strange. see. No, <laughs> he goes pee. He go pee. well. You do go poop in Death Stranding, but uh, yeah, <laughs> still Death Stranding. PC's bomb, but um, no, it's like it was like an indie game where it had that controversy where like he, the main character, kind of like chibi art, not chibi art, so like short character, but he was like running away from a tribe, and they all like you know had that stereotypical, you know, like Disney cut this out of a Fantasia kind of thing, where it's like of a, of a African tribe and people were like, you know, this looks like you're being a little racist with this. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I, forget I, what I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it was called. It, it was like a split screen kind of thing where it was like, it was Little like showing what side. the requester was doing while 
the person was hunting things? I think it's Little Devil Inside, right? Um, let me look at these pictures. Uh, yeah, it's Little Devil Inside. Um, <clears throat> that's the game. I'm glad I glad I remembered it. But that was like shown at um, at one of the PlayStation. It's coming to multiple platforms though, so it's not like it's, it's not exclusive to uh, the game. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering when it. It's on the store. I wonder if the store has like a no, no date, no date for it yet. But I feel like I was wondering if that would be there as like an indie game. Like if they'll show that again. Um, oh but, yeah, as like a hey, we fixed all the problems that we created. Yeah, <laughs> don't or, forget or, about this game. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, we'll see if that's there because that's one of those indie games they always that I feel like is associated with the uh, PlayStation. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what else they've had that they've shown that hasn't come out yet that maybe we'll see like a new because there are a couple of games that were shown at the because wasn't it was it a playstation showcase where they showed like all those uh at the same time we saw the uh yakuza or is the like a dragon ishin they also had that trailer for the other samurai game that took place in like 1899 um oh god um ronin or yeah uh, ronin uh, Way of the Ronin or Year of the Ronin, something like that. The Assassin's Creed one. The Ronin, it was Ronin looks- Warriors. Oh. It was an anime. Shit, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I really, really like that trailer. <laughs> I forgot about it. That's the one where there's the weird, like, flying device, right? Yeah. Rise yeah. of the Ronin. Yeah, that was at State of Play 20, September 2022. So I'm wondering if that'll be because that's being developed by, um, I don't even know this developer. Oh, that's right. That's the that's the wrong game. This is uh, it, like there's a s- totally separate game called Ronin that popped up, but uh, Rise of the Ronin. Yeah, I feel like this is who is the developer here. I thought Rise of the Ronin was actually a big developer. Uh, Koei Tecmo, Sony's the publisher apparently. SIE is the publisher according to the store page. But yeah, that's a uh, that's one another one of the Samurai games that was coming out that looked pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm curious if we'll see more of that because that was the announcement trailer that came out for uh, for that game back in September. So I'm wondering if they'll show more of that. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a potentially a lot of stuff they could show. But yeah, I there's imagine also a lot of like rumored games, and I know that rumored games are never a great like lead. But there's a lot of games that are kind of like known as being in development that haven't been mentioned or talked about yet. Like this is my dream one, but like I would love to see talk of the next dragon's dogma which has been rumored for a while but has gone nowhere oh i hope it's not in development hell well that's kind of why i'm like yeah if dragon's dogma actually still exists i would love that that'd be great yeah i don't know why i always associate what was the what was the other what was the game that was uh tied with xbox um for a long time because i i always in my head i associate dragon's dogma with xbox i don't know why drag drag not dragon scale um scale bound yeah scale bound maybe that got canceled though didn't it like that didn't yeah like a long time yeah i think maybe i don't know why i think because they had dragons like for some in my head like i didn't ever play dragon's dogma but i always associate it with xbox not like as an exclusive but i feel like all the marketing for dragon's dogma was pushed by xbox like they were the partner dragon's dogma was like a weird game dragon's dogma was like a strange combination between like the darkness of like a souls game 
combined with like some of the open world aspects of larger RPGs. And it, it did a great job with a lot of stuff. It was just until the um, expansion was released, it was really janky. Yeah. And then they released an expansion for it that made the game honestly pretty phenomenal. Um, really hard, but pretty phenomenal. And it, I don't know, it just became like a cult classic. It's a really fun game. It has a decent amount of jank to it still, but it is very fun. Um, and I keep hoping that Dragon's Dogma 2 will have the same feel as the original, but like actually polished. Just yeah. like a little bit less jank. Yeah, not too much less jank, just a bit. <laughs> like, you know, your abilities don't cause you to fly past the enemy instead of into the enemy, things like that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Only a couple of days away, so yeah. I'm sure most of the next episode will be uh, about the the announcements. Uh, and then coming up in the end here, uh, Tears of the Kingdom had sold 10 million units in three days, making it the fastest selling title in the franchise history. I believe, and that ties it because didn't the recent Pokemon also sell, or one of the recent Pokemon games also do 10 million in three days? Either Sword and Shield or. I imagine uh, Scarlet and Violet. Probably. Scarlet and Violet, yeah, maybe, yeah, um, yeah. It's sounding well, which is you know kind of to be expected. It's been six years between games, right? It's like that's such a long time too. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's doing really well. I'm sure it's you guys. Six have... years since Breath of the Wild came out. Yeah, it came out in 2017. God, that just makes mm-hmm. me feel even older. I'm like, it feels like Breath of the Wild came out like two or three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last bit of news was the announcement of Mortal Kombat 1, which is the, you know, Mortal Kombat 12 was revealed as Mortal Kombat 1 because it's a reboot of the timeline. Um, spoilers for no one who finished the Aftermath expansion for Mortal Kombat 11. Um, but they showed the announcement trailer. Uh, looks interesting. I'm, I'm betting this is probably going to be, if, like, I feel like this could easily be at Sony's state of, or, uh, showcase this week like showing actual possibly actual like gameplay like i feel like that could be there um but yeah and then of course like immediately you know there was rumors of uh i did i love the teaser because the teasers that ed boone was always tweeting out were like showing a clock and like the minute hand was on the 12 but then the second hand would go over, to, or maybe it was the, I forget, but like one of the hands was like on the 12, and then like another hand would tick over to one. Like it would stop at 12 for a sec and then go to one to show like, hey, this is Mortal Kombat 12, but the timeline got reset, so it's one. And I love the idea of just teasing it that way. But then like there was, you know, we talked about the rumors of people that are coming to uh, as DLC characters. And then immediately after the showcase, like Amazon leaked uh, that, you know, Omni Man and, those are such good DLC characters. So they are, yeah. I'm but excited it, too ahead of time before you even announced it. I'm just excited about the DLC characters. I, they're great. I just really, I mean, they probably won't get J.K. Simmons, but I feel like I really hope they get the actual, you know, actors to voice the characters. I feel like that would be awesome because that's it's, like it's Omni Man and who else is the Homelander? Other? Okay, yeah. I feel like you could probably get Anthony Starr. But uh, yeah, who knows? And J.K. Simpson, I feel like he might be up to it. Has, I don't know if he's done any voices for like uh, J. Jonas Jameson in the uh, past Spider-Man games or not. But I was gonna say he's done voice acting, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. But I just mean like because when they got in, uh, like when they brought in 
the the Terminator, they didn't have Arnold. They just had someone, an Arnold impersonator do the voice. Um, and then I'm trying to think of some of the other characters and if they had the actual, like, the most known voice actor for that character come in and do the voice. But yeah, for they didn't do it for, uh, like, oh, I think uh, I don't, Rambo, Rambo was in there. I don't remember if he was voiced by Stallone or just a, a impersonator. But I feel like, yeah, if you're going to have Homelander and Omni-Man, you got to have, try to, got to get that, uh, you know, I feel like WB could easily shell out some, they got all that Hogwarts money. They could just, you know, pay to get those guys come in, do a couple lines. I feel like that would be great. Uh, and then have Omni-Man fight Homelander. But, um, but yeah, I, it, I, it looks interesting, but yeah, I, I'm sure that'll probably, if not, we'll probably see gameplay soon. Cause I feel like when they announced 11 back in the day, it was at the game awards. Like Ed Boone came out to announce like racing game or, uh, whatever and then like the the screen got interrupted with the trailer for mortal kombat 11 and i feel like we had gameplay for it pretty quick although granted this would be super fast if you did this way but i feel like it'd be good marketing like you announce it then you show more gameplay soon uh, if not there then probably at summer game fest i guess uh, but yeah that's uh it for the news like i said there's some pretty good bits there and next week will be will be a fun one i'm sure Probably get more Death Stranding 2, no doubt. Another trailer. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, we can go ahead and move into what we've been playing. We'll go ahead and start with uh, Isley, because I know you've been playing... You've both been playing Tears of the Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, well, I guess we can kind of do it like a you know, a tag team situation. You guys can talk about uh, <laughs> stuff. We'll go ahead and start with Isley. Got any fun... What's your experience been like? Any fun stories? I mentioned this... I couldn't tell if you were sassing me or not, but I said that like Tears of the Kingdom is an interesting game for me because I think it is one of the best open world games that allows you multiple paths to kind of solve any problem out there, but not the best Zelda game. And when I say like it allows you multiple paths, I think the example I used was like Deus Ex claims that you know, you can beat the game in any way. You can beat the game guns blazing. You can beat the game with stealth. Um, you can beat the game talking. But there are pros and cons that aren't equal. So, like, when I play Deus Ex, I kind of think that stealth is the way to go because there's a limited amount of XP in the game. And when you, like, kill someone, you only get a certain amount of XP. But when you stun someone or knock something out or stealth, you know, pass through the level, you got significantly more. So... You could beat the game anyway, but it rewards you differently, and there are incentives to just beat the game with stealth. Um, Tears of the Kingdom definitely feels like a game where the devs just kind of went, you know what, fuck it. We're going to create four abilities that are completely broken, and if you are even the least bit creative, you can break the game with in incredibly weird ways. You don't need all four of them, but like, it's it's four separate abilities where you can just do whatever the fuck you want with them. And in that regard, like I think it's the best Zelda game for just kind of like dicking around. But it's so much of an open world sandbox that it just doesn't really feel like a Zelda game. To me, it feels more like, um, I mean, I'm playing No Man's Sky right now, so it's kind of a good example. But it feels more like a game where you create your own story as opposed to Zelda, which I typically think of as that like, 
having a solid story or theme to it. I think that was something that a lot of people said about Breath of the Wild too. Like this is a fantastic game, but it doesn't feel like Zelda because I think a lot of people were expecting the typical formula of like Twilight Princess, Ocarina of Time, Skyward Sword, that kind of thing where you you go to themed dungeons and that's how you progress through the game. Whereas Breath of the Wild and even Tears of the Kingdom now to an extent is like the big dungeons, there's very few of them. And the rest of the interesting mechanics are kind of sparsed out through the shrines. And they're, they're like, the game's not bad. I really am enjoying the game. I just, Mm -hmm. I know it is a Zelda game in the sense that like, yeah, the creators of Zelda define what Zelda is. And if they say Zelda is now open world kind of Minecraft-esque, sure, fine. Um, But yeah, it's when I think of like Breath of the Wild, I think of like the shrine that limited you to three hearts or whatever and reset your gear so that you had to start from scratch. Um, I think of like the labyrinth shrines. I think of like the really interesting, weird shrines that they came up with i don't Mm -hmm. really think of like the divine beasts because i thought those dungeons were kind of average um i don't really think of wandering around the world too much i think of like the puzzles or things as being the high point of that game and so far in tears of the kingdom i've kind of had a similar experience where the interesting unique shrines i found have been the things that I'm drawn to most so far, and I think I'm going to remember about the game. Mm-hmm. And the other elements just kind of feel like uh, filler a little bit. But like I'm still enjoying the game. I do wish there was more, more of that old school like. Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to not spoil things, but I wish <laughs> there was a bit more of that old school nature to the game where dungeons were more complex or shrines were more complex um you know you had to think about them a tiny bit more than you do and i'm thinking of like ocarina of time the water temple is a great example of like as a kid i hated that place because it was so freaking confusing it was so hard for me to solve as a kid um as an adult i think it's like a great puzzle of things you have to keep track of it's got a lot of secrets in it that you have to find it's a pretty confusing dungeon Mm -hmm. um And I haven't really come across anything of that nature in Tears of the Kingdom yet. And I I don't think there is anything of that particular nature that's like that level of complexity. But that is something that I kind of miss from the recent Zelda games. Yeah, it definitely still has that feeling of like you get to the regional dungeon and it feels like it's over very quickly as opposed to you taking Ocarina of Time, for example, you finally make it to the fire temple and now this is what you're doing for the next three days kind of thing like you're just you can leave at any time if you want to do something or something like uh the the things that always really stuck out to me in the kind of quote-unquote typical zelda games were the dungeons that you have to leave and do later like the spirit temple or the stone temple tower um things like that where you can't complete the whole dungeon start to finish you have to either leave and do something else or you have to some of it is blocked off by uh some weird mechanic or whatever you just have to come back later that kind of thing and there's not really been anything like that since those games that i can recall 
I don't remember anything like that in Twilight Princess or Skyward Sword or anything like that. Uh, Twilight Princess didn't really have any of them. I mean, Twilight Princess was just interesting because it was the, I mean, the Wolf Link introduced a lot of new mechanics that were kind of different. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah, for me, it's um, the like puzzle aspects are kind of gone. And I think that's happens in part because of how overpowered, not overpowered, but like the abilities they've given you in this game are so crazy that, you know, there's no incentive to go through a dungeon and find some new tool or weapon or item because if you are creative enough, you can just go through anything. Mm -hmm. And I almost kind of lit, like miss the need to find specific items or gear to progress through the world. Yeah, that was my probably my only like actual complaint about Breath of the Wild was that they give you all of the tools that you're going to use for the rest of the game at the beginning of the game. And yeah. it's like, this is what you're going to use the whole time the dungeons are going to have their own specific like the dungeons are going to have their specific themes but it's not going to be centered around an item yeah um you can use all of these tools however you want to get through them which i think is a really interesting idea but part of the appeal of the zelda games was always like you're going to go to this region you're going to do this dungeon and you're going to get a new tool that allows you to go back through the world and do things that you couldn't do before so I think that's where they lose a lot of the Zelda feel is by giving you all of those tools at the beginning of the game, which is great for people who didn't necessarily like that formula. Like, just give me everything at the beginning and let me do what I want. And that's kind of what the feel I feel they they did with this game. But longtime Zelda fans have a problem with like, well, I kind of actually miss seeing something in the world and not being able to get to it and then getting an item later and being like, oh, that's how I get that thing. And then going back and doing it. So, And to be fair, with the direction they've gone of, you know, we'll give you the tools, do whatever you want from the start. They've done that very, very well. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like they haven't implemented it well. They've truly made it so that you can do whatever you want. I mean, I've mm -hmm. seen people do crazy things and some of the things you can construct and like fuse together in the game are just absurd. And I can't believe that the switch is able to kind of handle some of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, it's that feeling of like the reason for going to a place, like mm -hmm. a lot of the reasons of why you'd want to go to one of these areas are just kind of gone. It's, you're led by curiosity now. You see something in the mm -hmm. distance and you're like, I want to go there. That looks cool. But, yeah, you know, there's no excitement over opening treasure chests or things like that because you don't need anything in a treasure chest. There's no, like, curiosity of like, okay, what do I need to get through this area? Because you already have all the tools to get through the area. So it's just very, very open world sandboxy and it does it very well. It just is, you know it doing it well is less exciting uh, to me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, from, from what I've heard, it at least listening to other people, don't they have like, um, <clears throat> I might not have the nomenclature right because again, I, I don't play Zelda games, but aren't there some like temples or dungeon stuff where they kind of strip you of certain things mm -hmm. and make you like, yeah, work with, like get through with these 
Like you still have the abilities, I'm sure, but it sounds yeah. like it gets rid of your weapons or whatever. They're mm-hmm. they're kind of like half steps though. Um they're like they're like if they said, you know, oh, we're gonna try to compromise and please both sets of people. We're gonna try to please the people that want really open world and we're gonna try to try to please the people that want dungeons. And what it ends up being is just kind of like this halfway point of they're fine. They're they're better than some of the shrines, but they're not like they're not great. Um so I don't know. For me it just still feels a bit bland, I guess. And, and don't they aren't they I feel like one of the points I, I do hear about those locations is that there's only like one way to get through it, like be it ascension or what have you, it sounds like. At least it and granted they these folks maybe they didn't spend as much time, but like they tried to do it, you know, do it your own way. But it felt like mm-hmm. the way they were saying made it sound like the game was pushing you to only do it the one way. Um, so in Breath of the Wild, there was an entire island that was dedicated to this. There was an area in the north where you flew to the island and as soon as you landed on it, it stripped you of all your stuff and you had to solve these like three puzzles to get the shrine or get access to the shrine. And that is what I hear a lot of people talk about as being like a really cool surprise moment and just being like totally unprepared, especially at that point in the game to get to that area of the map. You've already kind of gone through a lot of the game and accumulated a lot of like a lot of useful tools and a lot of supplies and stuff like that. So to be just kind of literally dumped on a stranded island and stripped of everything that you have, it kind of like, took you back to the beginning of the game where you didn't really have anything you were using sticks as weapons and that kind of thing um so i haven't gone back to where that island is yet i don't even know if it's still there um but what they've done in tears of the kingdom is they kind of broken that down into little mini experiences in some of the shrines like you'll walk into a shrine and it shows the cutscene of link walking through the door and suddenly you're naked you're like oh god what happened um (laughs) there's stuff in the shrines that's obviously meant as like hey if you use this it's going to make your life a little bit easier sometimes they'll give you like a bow at the beginning and a shield well they'll almost always give you like a shield and a weapon of some kind right before you go in and actually challenge the the enemies but the basic point is to just like kill a set number of enemies to finish and unlock the doorway however you do that is pretty much up to you but the interesting thing to me is that you don't have the like spawning bombs anymore so the way that i did the island and breath of the wild was very much dependent on being able to create bombs and throw them at things and you can't do that in this game so mm-hmm. it's very just true. like i wish that i could just make a bomb right now and throw this at you i'm so irritated so the first shrine that i did i tried a couple different things and then i kind of found like a technique that worked for me that basically involved finding the enemy with the strongest weapon and trying to kill that enemy first and then using that weapon to to kill the other enemies so it's like there's definitely an intended method for finishing those shrines but you can still technically do them however you want you can either be like sneaky and kind of like think it over or you can just kind of brute force your way through it find a big weapon and stab everything if you're good at dodging there's also a bit of like you know there's an intended way to get through those shrines but 
Mm-hmm. It's not as creative as. It, it's not still not as creative as like the dungeons. It's not like there are specific puzzles and you need three or four tools to like solve each puzzle once or something like that. It's it's all kind of like one-off things. So that's kind of what I meant by like a half measure is, yeah, they, they strip you and there's an intended way to get through it, but it's not like a long dungeon where mm-hmm. at the halfway point you get some tool that then solves your problem and you like can go back through the old areas a bit like a metroidvania and you know find a new path through and like all of a sudden clues or puzzles from before make sense when you didn't understand them there's there's none of like that Hmm. i think they would be far more interesting if they also locked your your slate abilities like you go in there and it's because even on the island in breath of the wild you had your slate abilities Mm-hmm. I think that would have been an even more like phenomenal experience if it had literally been like you just walked out of the shrine at the beginning of the game and you have absolutely nothing. You don't have your paraglider, you don't have your slate abilities, or I think with the shrines in particular, and I haven't done very many, so I don't know if this changes later on or if they do something, but I seriously doubt they do, if they lock all of your slate abilities except one. Like, this is pretend that you just went to the first shrine and all you have is the altar hand kind of thing. Like, I think that would be a lot more interesting than kind of just having access to your overpowered abilities that you got at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And I think that would, I know that people would disagree, but I think that would make the regional dungeons a lot better too, is if, for example, you go into one of the regional dungeons with, well, I don't want to get too much into spoilers, but you go into your regional dungeons and it's like, oh, your ascendability has been locked. Uh, there's something is weird in the air and now you can't use that. So it's like you have to go through this dungeon and you see a lot of areas that you're like, Shit, if I had my ascendability, I could just get up there. But now I have to figure out another way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be a lot more interesting if they kind of like mess with, they give you everything at the beginning, but they mess with you throughout the game as far as like, having that available to you whereas like out in the open world you just have everything you can do whatever but in the actual dungeons and shrines and stuff like that if they kind of lock things away from you and force you to figure out what to do or how to get through it with the other abilities that you have because i know a lot of people probably don't use like the reversal ability very much and stuff like that so it's like if you go into a shrine or a dungeon and that's all you have now you have to think of ways to use that creatively Right, now you're thinking of portals. Yeah, because there's other games yeah, that do that exactly. where, like, they they kind of, you know, you get more abilities, more abilities, and whatnot, but then you go into places where, like, they strip you of some of those that you've kind of relied on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 you have to do this without, you know, this one or without that one. Like, I've, I've played games like that before. I feel like those tend to be more like, uh, you know, RPG-style games or, you know, not necessarily um, open-world. Mm-hmm. Uh, action adventure kind of stuff but but yeah yeah i it everybody you know loves the game like it sounds like i wish i was into zelda because i'm like it sounds like it could be fun like especially seeing some of the clips that people do it's interesting like you might like it then i was just gonna say not into zelda you probably would still enjoy it even if you didn't care about the story and everything like that if you just kind of like ignore most of that or blow through it or skip it or anything i think you would still have a ton of fun with it yeah, like I, I talk about it in Discord, like 
it it could be one of those GTA four situations where like I I didn't care about GTA, mm-hmm. um, but I got it. Same with like Skyrim, like because I played Elder Scrolls Oblivion, and I was like I didn't really care for that game at all. Um, and then I I picked up Skyrim just because like you know what let's give it a shot, uh, and I really enjoyed Skyrim, and I had a lot of fun in GTA four. Um, it's just yeah, getting past that hurdle of like, do I really want to get this game? Uh, I, like, I will I, say it is seventy dollars. So yeah, it also looks boring when you watch it. <laughs> like this there's game. yeah, there's some areas where it looks pretty boring. But if you watch the right people, maybe somebody that you're interested in, kind of like mess around with it. Especially the beginning few hours of the game, I think are very entertaining. Yeah, I, I feel like anytime you watch something where there's like puzzle solving. And you're trying to watch someone solve a puzzle. Like it, that's only fun if you solve that puzzle and you want to see how other people come up with the solution. It's yes. not fun when you're you've never done it and you're watching them do it for the first time. Especially if you know do this, even though you don't play the game, you're like, I, I know just based on context of what you can do, try this. And they don't try that and then eventually they do. It's like, okay, that worked. But yeah, like I if it, I almost said if it goes on sale, that's a dumb thing to say. Like, if, I could see if like if it was ever discounted, maybe. But like, I have, I just have so much other stuff I want to play right now. Like, I I'll talk about it in, in a minute. But like, I, I just finished the Horizon Burning Shores. I they patched in the 60 FPS for Plague Tale Requiem, so I can fi- I, I'm going to play that now. Um, maybe not immediately. Except but, for the rats, apparently. Yeah, except for the, except for the rats, which I'll get over with. I'd rather <laughs> which are kind of a big part of the game. It's like well, it, it looks funny, but. I would rather have I would rather play with that kind of smooth and it's not like they're one hundred percent of that game. Um and like maybe if I play it and it does kind of bother me, then I'll be like, Yeah, I'm gonna go just play it thirty, I guess. But um uh I'll I'll pl- I, w- I wanna play that because I have that and then I have some uh some other stuff I uh I want to play, like some DLC, like a uh, Cult of the Lamb had some DLC, free DLC come out. I I can play that. So I have like all the stuff I wanna play, and there's also so much stuff coming out soon like we talk about ff16 and whatnot that like they'll be on that list so like i don't know when i would have like that who knows maybe it would be like in a couple of years to be like a planner black then i'm the one talking about it who who never played the game <laughs> and you're like yeah we know it's that's cool we we were there <laughs> that would actually be super interesting to hear it from a perspective of somebody who just isn't really part of zelda and i will say though a lot of my kind of like awe with this game is just it's like a technical marvel and I yeah. have seen a lot of people so especially game developers on Twitter be like how yeah. did they make this? Yeah, like, how yeah. does it do, do what it does? And it's just really impressive in that way. I, mean, I am shocked at so I talked about like the fuse mechanic and you know semi-spoilers for the fuse mechanic but like you can build you, basically, the fuse mechanic, in case you haven't seen anything, JCM, is that like you can fuse objects together yeah. in the world. Yeah. And when you find objects, like whether it's weapons or crafting materials or things, you can fuse them together. But you also have like you have mechanical objects in mm-hmm. the sense that they have a function. So like sometimes they will it'll be a fan that blows or um, like a lever that controls like an on-off switch, things like that. And you can fuse those to things too. And when you start combining enough of them, you can actually make like minor to major contraptions. And it's just shocking to see what kinds of contraptions people have made in a Switch game, have it mm-hmm. run smoothly, and somehow like 
it works in the game in the sense that like it functions it doesn't break the game like from a technological standpoint it breaks the game in terms of you know difficulty but it's it's just kind of shocking that these things actually function yeah i saw a video of somebody who made a mech that is exactly what i was thinking (laughs) you go into it that made a mech warrior in zelda and it didn't lag the game until they started exploding things and it just lagged a little bit like that expected lag Mm -hmm. and i think it's sometimes hard to tell like zelda has this thing where like it will not really lag but it'll kind of like pause the action very slightly when you do like major hits and stuff like that just to kind of like emphasize the the hit um so it's a lot of that and of course it it lags a little bit just from all the explosions and fire and stuff like that but it doesn't freeze and it just keeps going so that's so impressive yeah the that's exactly what I was thinking of, of like the person that made the complete mech warrior. I saw mm-hmm. a creation that was like a, I guess like a laser jet, like someone built a jet in the game, strapped a bunch of lasers and bombs to it, mm-hmm. and was just doing like flyby carpet bombs of camps. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, the fact that a Switch game can do this is freaking incredible. They've done a really good job of making a game that can do like anything. I just yeah. wish there was more Zelda to it. And on the other yeah. end of the spectrum, I saw somebody build a dog petting machine. So yep. like, you can <laughs> truly do whatever you want. <laughs> you, you, so you can pet the dogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't yeah, pet that, the dog. I'll, we'll see about that. Yep. That is the benefit of, of not, because I, I'm i not playing it. I can, you know, there's no spoilers for me watching people do crazy stuff. Right, like, right. I watched someone make like an attack drone uh, that they just had fly, it flow around on its own and just attack this camp. So it's like fun to watch those clips mm-hmm. um, or just like, like, yeah. Yeah. Things, things like that are really cool. And that's why I'm like, yeah, when they, they made a open world game where you can do anything, they did that really well. Like mm-hmm. you can do anything. You could beat it in any way you want. I like, you can beat it with any of the tools you're given in terms of like actual physical tools. You can beat it with um, creations. I mean, you can really beat it in any way. I just, when I think back to like my favorite experiences in Zelda's, it's always been finding a new tool so that it's like a Metroidvania and understanding the world a bit more, or it's been like the really creepy, spooky moments, like, um, you know, Ocarina of Time when you go from Child Link to Adult Link, or, uh, you know, Majora's Mask resetting the world, like some of the spookier things. And, this game might have some i won't do story spoilers but uh i i haven't felt anything that hit the same yet there are some very spooky moments and i will say that there's some stuff in this game that's really fucked up <laughs> like i have moments where i'm like why is this game so horrible why is this so creepy what is going on i hate this or i'll like creep through an area because i'm like i'm kind of spooked out and i'm gonna get scared by something and i have been scared by things but mostly uh my fault or um i throw a bomb in an area that's not quite lit up all the way and it hits a wall and scares me because i didn't realize the wall was there we'll say about bombs you talked about how we don't have infinite bombs anymore but i kind of love that the bombs now are bomb flowers because it Mm -hmm. reminds me of the n64 games yeah yeah and i love that uh you can just stick them to whatever. I stuck a bomb to a shield one time. I was like, this is a great idea. It was not a good idea. Um, but you can do that. If you really want to do that, you can do it. Uh, sure sometimes can. I'll stick a bomb to a sword that's almost broken and throw it. It's like, ooh, free 
flying bomb. Like I didn't need to do that, but I can. So I did. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, like it's fun. I'm listening to Min Max is doing their deepest dive where like they kind of break down, you know, Hey, we'll from the start to exploring the, it was like Northeast, Northwest, whatever direction the game kind of pushes you in the beginning, like play mm-hmm. through that section and then you do whatever you want, but then we'll talk about it for like a couple hours. And like the community writes in like a bunch of stuff. The, the problem with that is like a lot of stuff that the community writes in with is like some, you know, no offense, but some silly little thing they did and they just say uh-huh. 10 out of 10 best game. And then it's like, <laughs> which is like when everybody writes that, I'm like, okay, this is, this is an, getting obnoxious. But uh, that's like, literally I did, me every time I save a Korok. I'm like, this is such a great game. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are some. I saw one clip uh, that was shared by Seropods where it was like uh, uh, someone like strapping a Korok to like a vehicle. And it's like Rob Zombie's Dragula is playing, and it just it flies off with that song. It's the song that makes it so good. <laughs> I'm like, it's so funny. And then uh, the the other one that I saw that was going on a lot was like people using that reverse mechanic, like they make like just a a log with two boulders on the end of it. You know, it's, a, it's just a dick balls, but they spin it around. There's some giant monster and they do reverse the reverse on it. And it just smacks the giant mob like over mm-hmm. and over and kills it. <laughs> like, it's just a way to cheese it. And I was like, yeah, it's so ridiculous. Uh, but, but yeah, it's fun to listen to people's. It's one of those games that are because there's not much story. Like it's, it's fun to, to listen to that emergent gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that was like one of my favorite parts about Skyrim is just, and even more so with Skyrim because there was glitches in that game. So it was just really fun to hear like whenever you have like Bethesda glitch, like one of the ones I always remember is Greg Miller talking about doing some jumping up on some table and like kicking stuff around. And then all of a sudden he just gets teleported like a mile up in the air. He just falls to his death and it just sounds so funny. Just ridiculous stuff that happens. Um, but yeah, hearing hearing the stories for for Zelda is always a, it's a it's a fun deepest dive for listening to because there's not, I don't care. There's no story stuff, so you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll probably hear. That's actually you highlighted a great way to put it. Of like, it's a very good emergent storytelling game. Yeah, you can tell a lot of stories of this game without actually spoiling anything in the game. Exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, Zelda. You guys will be playing it for quite a while. It's a mm-hmm. big game. A lot of it stuff is. to do. Um, but yeah, I, I finished up finally uh, the Burning Shores DLC. I haven't had a lot of time to really game. You know, we just finished moving. Now it's kind of just like relaxing. I, I've been relaxing more because I have like a bunch of stuff around my uh, my couch in the living room. Like I'm, I don't really sit out there. Um, <clears throat> so I've just been, you know, at my desk playing Oni and, and watching youtube videos and whatnot um and i was like man i should like uh get like a little extra monitor like it was like plug my ps5 into that way i can just play it in here I like a little screen so i've been like looking at screens and whatnot but i was like you know what i i tried um remote play since i so i fixed my networks that was i was having a big problem with my wi-fi after we moved where it was like initially i was having huge wi-fi problems where it was like it would drop out it'd be really slow so i I downloaded um, a Wi-Fi. Well, first I was like, you know what? I'll just, since we moved, a lot of old old Wi-Fi router and old modem, I'll just uh, upgrade them because I've had them for like a long time. And typically it's like you should or can upgrade them like after, you know, six years or whatnot. It's been longer than that. I think I had them when I, I originally moved into my 
the old place uh, over eight years ago. So bought a new modem, new router, and then I still had problems. Um, I ended up downloading like a program to do like a Wi-Fi analyzer to see how many people are using what channels on each gigahertz, you know, 2.4 or 5 gigahertz. Right? So I can make sure I'm not on the same channel. Um, and there's like ev- so many people because where I'm at is a little more dense than my old place. Um, so I'm getting a lot mm-hmm. of Wi-Fi signals. So I'm like, okay, use channel 11 <laughs> because <laughs> it's the best one to use and yada, yada. Luckily, no one uses 5 gigahertz apparently. So I have like one band that's basically just me. Um, but then I was still having problems and I couldn't figure out why. Like I'd have to reset my modem. Yada yada. I tried contacting Comcast. They gave me a call back. You know, they said, "Oh, we we pinged your modem again." Yada yada. I'm like, "Okay, um, still a problem." Um, and I had had it in my office, but I I had moved it because it. I thought maybe I talked before, like the coaxial output line here, like maybe it wasn't the right one. Um, so I put it back in the living room. Still had problems, and then I I was like, "Okay, I'm going to upgrade my router." So I had like you know. 14 days, you can return an activated device to Best Buy. So I go back to Best Buy, return the router, get another one. I got the one I actually wanted um, versus the one that they had in stock at the time. Uh, looks like a ridiculous kind of spaceship. Um, uh, so I got that because they had it in stock finally. So I tried it, try that. Things seem to be going okay. Then it didn't work. So I'm like, okay, now I got to take the modem back. So I took the modem back. Uh, it was like a Netgear... Nighthawk CM 1200 modem. I got the 2000, uh, came back, installed it. I also bought new coaxial cable because I originally had bought one off Amazon um, that was like a, had a 90 degree joint on it. That way I could easily uh, put it into the wall and have it come out straight up and into the modem versus you know a normal unbendy uh, coax cable. So, but I went to Lowe's, picked up a, a brand new coax because I figured maybe the one I got was actually bad um, and whatnot. And I, I plugged in the new modem, I set it up and everything's been working perfect. So I, I don't know if it was an issue where maybe the new modem, there was like some initialization issue with Comcast. Um, I know some people had issues with that modem a couple years ago, but they said, oh, make sure it's on the new firmware. I checked my firmware, which is pushed by the ISP. You can't do it yourself. And I was on the most recent one. So I don't know what the problem was. I don't know if it was if it was the coax line, if it was the modem, a combination of both, but whatever, it's been fixed. Um, so I tried uh, doing remote play again on my computer uh, to see how Horizon would feel. And I was playing, it was like at 30 FPS. And I was like, man, how do I get this to 60? And I was like trying to mess around the settings. Couldn't forget. And I forgot when I was playing on PS5, I had it on balance, which is 40 FPS. So I put it back onto uh, performance and then I got it at 60. And it played fine. Like, I could tell there was like there I could tell that there was a little bit of input lag, but like it was not a problem at all. So like I just finished up the last like uh I did a side mission, finished up the last main mission last night, um which I didn't realize was going to go on as long as it did. Um and uh I had like no problems like streaming it. Um I did have one bit where like the frame rate kind of chucked like twice in two locations uh luckily like it didn't imp- i wasn't like in the middle of a fight or something but it was like and i don't know what the, why it would do that because my connection should have been totally stable i don't know what it would have uh caused it but like it did chug for a sec but i i finished up that dlc i 
I heard a lot about people saying either they didn't like the last fight or they really liked the last fight. So I was curious how I would feel about it. So I had like kind of preconceived notions of what I thought it would be. And uh, <clears throat> I kind of thought they would bring back that mechanic where you pick up um, explosive like batteries with your uh, uh, your flying mount and like drop them. And I thought like, oh, maybe it's going to be that. Maybe that's why people don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't. And I was like, it kind of went how I expect that kind of fight to go with what it was. I'm like, this is kind of how you do it. Like, I'm, no right. spoilers, but I'm like, this is kind of, which it does make me go like, like, really? I'm going to win. Like, I feel like if I was in the, the, the bad guy situation, I feel like, wouldn't you just kind of do this? But, uh, it, it just felt funny, but I, I, I still like the fight. Um, uh, there is like a no spoilers, but you get like a new weapon in the DLC, which I thought was interesting. Um, it's, I thought like, Oh, is this going to be like OP? It's not too OP. Like there's a upgrade for it. You get later that does have like a stronger attack, but it takes a while to like charge up. Um, and it it's pretty fun balance. Yeah, and it it also has a lot of ammo, which I really granted you can only have so much at a time, but like you can and it's cheap to craft. Mm-hmm. Um I that's funny cuz like anytime I have to craft like special arrows in that game, I'm always like it's like, "Oh, you need the volatile ingredient." And I have like 15. I'm like, but I feel like I'm always crafting these items. I'm like, "Where am I getting this volatile stuff from? Like am I just looting and I just don't pay attention when I'm killing things?" I'm like, "I just have enough to like make a couple arrows." That's absolutely uh, how I do it is I'm yeah. just looting everything and I'm not paying attention to what it is. And I just happen to have enough of what I need. Yeah. Like I've never been in a situation where I've been in situations where I don't craft something. Cause I'm like, do I really need to craft this? Like I was using the, uh, the, the javelins that you can throw uh, at one point. Cause I fucking hate the frogs, man. The frog enemy is just <laughs> so obnoxious in that game, dude. Um, I don't like it at all. Like a cool design, but like, I hate the fight. Cause it does like this jump and there's so many times that I was getting like stun locked because I, I couldn't get out of the way. And I was like, yeah, okay, you want me to tether it down? I'm like, but I don't like using that weapon, but the NPC do, does at least sometimes. But it was like, so I'm just going to use the javelin because I'm like, those things are pretty strong. Um, and luckily, you only have to fight a couple of those. But, uh, but yeah, I really liked the last boss fight. Um, uh, I thought it was just like, I was like, this is so cool. I wish I kind of wish I had the flying mount so I can like, I would love to see this thing at this fight at a distance would be kind of cool. Um, I feel like that's the only thing that fight was missing was some kind of like flying mount component to it. Other than that, absolutely perfect. Everything I wanted. Well, I feel like if that was a co-op fight, I'm like, okay, this makes total sense. Like this is, it's like training for a co-op horizon experience, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, okay. Cause even your NPC friend is doing one thing and you're doing another. It's like, all right, I see what's going on here. Um, but yeah, it really fun fight. Uh, I'm, I, it definitely like, it's clearly where, you know, frozen wilds was not really a setup towards anything. It was just like an extra little story with a little, another cauldron and AI. Um, this is like, definitely like, okay, this is more a story development for the next game. Um, So it's like, definitely should play it. But man, I'm like, I'm so bummed because I'm like, what are they going to do with Lance Reddick, man? I'm like, Silence hard on that. Yeah. When I I, saw Silence, I was so sad. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. They need some, uh, he, Lance Reddick is such a like memorable voice actor that every role he plays like he just carries a certain weight to him that 
I don't know how they're going to replicate that or replace him. Yeah, because I, I feel like you need the character. Like, the character is so important to outside of Aloy, is like the second most important character. It feels yeah, I mean, like he was he was her foil, but also right. he was one with like all of the knowledge and things like that. I mean, he was kind of the, like the MacGuffin for explaining things to Aloy, and Aloy, you know, would figure them out herself because she's smart and everything. But he was the like narrative, like the narrative foil to her. So I don't know. It, yeah, yeah, and they, they have really... to come up with something, but it's going to be sad. Yep. The DLC really set him up for some interesting character development, and that mm-hmm. just like bummed me out even more. I was like, it made a particular moment way more sad than it probably yeah. should have been. I yeah, was like, it oh, did. fuck. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, because now it's like the only thing you can do is like, okay, if he's still there, is like maybe they only do text logs where it's like, like, that's not going to be the but same. That won't, exactly, it won't be know how unsatisfying that would be. Yeah, but at least it's yeah. there, kind of thing. But yeah, it's just be so it's such a bummer. I mean, like, there's there's some things they could do, which I don't know. I know that some voice actors have like wanted this to happen to them, and I don't know where Lance Reddick was on it or if he commented. But like, I know some voice actors have sold their rights to be like recreated with AI, right? Um, which you know, I don't know where lance reddick fell on that i don't know where contracts fell on that but they they could potentially do um which would be sad in its own way um or they i don't know they could have one of the a one of the actual ais in the game take over as like the antagonist which would be fascinating like maybe silence turns into an ai or something but nothing they come up with is going to be as good as actual lance reddick as silence yeah it's it's gonna be rough like yeah it's like obviously the main story is still gonna be there but it's like aspects of it you know how you get to certain places especially with the dlc um Mm -hmm. it's like i feel like they were really setting it up for him to have like a more prominent present Mm -hmm. role in the next game as far as as, instead of like on your comms all the time where you meet up with him for cutscenes and stuff like that having a more like active role which i thought i was hoping was gonna be so 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 cool to actually like go and do things with silence and have like you know like exploring ruins and having that that character interaction just as you're walking around kind of thing so yeah oh it's such a bummer like i wonder how much they could like we talked about before like how much could they repurpose recordings he's already done to you know have smaller conversations (laughs) you know um like you've already said some of the key stuff you have you know nemesis you have some things he mentions in the dlc that you can you have those lines there uh so it's like yeah could you repurpose anything to kind of hint at the objective um i'm honestly i'm sure they could i'm sure the technology is there in terms of like repurposing and having ai fill in the gaps but you know it's such a sticky like moral area at the moment that do they really want to do that with someone well, who's beloved by the fans? Yeah, I'm not even talking like using AI. I'm just talking about just take those recordings and just like, <clears throat> you know, cut them up somehow or use just the exact same lines. But it's they're so ambiguous in what they're saying, like they're just general conversation. But then tack on if you need to, if you have the, the keywords that's already been said and you're someone there in a way that sound that you can cut it to sound naturally. You know, like I've 
I've done that in editing the podcast where like I might have a section, I get cut off by something, I have to go back and kind of feed it in. So I have to find like the right um, uh, spot to cut it and kind of space it so it sounds like it's still more natural or whatnot or, or cutting out long bits of nonsense or something. Uh, like I feel like they could do that. So it's like, I feel like that would be a better way than using AI um, to avoid that. Unless again, unless he was okay with it, who knows? Uh, but I, I feel like that could be a way to do it where you could still have him there and then just in a more limited role. If you have enough of that dialogue to fit into the script in a way that makes sense, but I'm sure they're, they're probably working on it uh, as we speak, but yeah. And who knows how much of it had already been done, like how much of the voice recording had already been done or how much of the capture had already been done and stuff like that. So, I mean, it could have been well in the works, for you know years now as far as like we're gonna record this stuff and it's either gonna be in future dlc or it's gonna be just part of the next game so especially if they already had that kind of roadmap going on but also like just plain sad because lance reddick is awesome i rewatched fringe after he passed away and i was like man he's so good in fringe yeah 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 that uh that burning shores dlc though is gorgeous um like i know black so good talk about the clouds you know they're stationary they're like nope clouds um but they they have the animations that look good it's like if you don't look at them you don't realize that but when you watch it like time lapse like okay it looks a little silly it's like yeah in future installments i'm sure they'll make them more dynamic but i love being underwater at nighttime and looking up and seeing all the stars through the surface and then your your uh flying mount is just going around in circles it just looks so cool like how clear the water is and seeing the sky um but yeah it's a a fun deal see it was nice to see so much of the quinn um and whatnot and uh i was curious because there is a bit at the end you get like you know i i feel like i didn't see him too often in uh forbidden west but like you get like a one of the dialogue choice options where it's like, you know, you have the brain, the heart, the fist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was, I was curious. I was like, wow, it's, it's interesting to have this choice uh, because I was like, it felt like it was leading, like the whole time it felt like it was leaning one way um, or hinting towards one way. So it was interesting to have a choice in that situation. And cause then I'm like, okay, but how do you play on this in the next game? Like, I'm, I'm curious what you do there. You know what I mean? So it was weird. Cause I feel like none of the dialogue options choices like that really necessarily have like major influence, uh, in the, in the horizon games. It's kind of just like, how do you want to play Aloy, um, situations? Right. I don't think it affects the outcome. It just affects how you get to the outcome. Yeah. And I kind of wish like, I wish there was a little more of that, you know, Mass Effect RPG element of it. Because then I'm like, because I feel like even if you go, you know, even if you go with it, um, the way you, you think it was kind of going, it's like, yeah, but will that matter? Because, you know, in the next yeah, game, it's like... In you know. the in the base game, wasn't they only had like one quest or something where it mattered. But like, if you spared or... Oh man, I haven't played the base game in a while. Um if you spared someone versus like holding them accountable, didn't it affect who showed up to help at the end of the second game? 
uh, that like it affected well, your the, allies yeah, near there, the there's, end. There's on the you... one. The only thing it changes is if you if you spare Renala, right? That's her name. No, that's that's the Elden Ring. Um, that's what I'm blanking on. No, yeah. it, it, if you spe- yeah, because she was like she was the main bad guy until yeah. uh, until you have the but, option to like yeah, execute you, her or spare yeah, her. If you spare, mm-hmm. if you execute her, you get her bow. If you spare her, she shows up, but she still dies anyways. Um, but it's not like she doesn't do that much. She just like shows up for the cutscene, right? But they, even then, right. she's like. I wouldn't know. I killed her for the bow. Yeah, it's it's still <laughs> framed in such a way that it's like you could tell she's just kind of her the character model is just inserted. Yeah, it's like it's like one of those um like it with the 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 choose your own adventure games the man of Medan, stuff like that. Where like there could be cutscenes where it's like okay if these are the only characters who are supposed to live or have the highest probability of living in the game and there's a cutscene near the end and you have someone that you saved earlier on who had like a billion opportunities to die, they're kind of just either there or they're not even in the cutscene and they're in the next one, like the way it's framed. So it was like, yeah, she just shows up. Uh, Regala, I think might be her name. Um, not Renala. Um, <laughs> yeah, Regala, I believe is what it is. And uh, Regala's forces. Yeah. And she just shows up in a cutscene, she's kind of there, but she's not like, there's no real big impact. And then she kind of like quote unquote sacrifices herself to help save you from some specters, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's really not matter. a huge thing. Yeah. She it has it, like a character development moment, but yeah, it's not it's, significant. It's not significant. Yeah. So it, it was just weird to have a choice that felt like significant to Aloy, but yeah, it's like, okay, well it doesn't really matter. What I choose because you know, it's, it, it is not going to matter in the next game. So it was just kind of weird. It was nice. To, it was. It threw me off when it happened. I was like, "Oh, I get to choose." And then I was kind of curious. Well, what happens if I choose these other things? It's like, "Oh, you know, yada yada yada." But um, it would be yeah. cool for the Horizon games to have a bit more of the uh, Mass Effect skill tree. That was something that Mass Effect, despite all the like other issues it had over its life cycle, um, and you know, despite the ending of Mass Effect, it did really well. Up until the end of the third game, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, like I said I had a lot of fun with that. I look forward to. Uh, you know, I got some other stuff to to play on there. Um, I know Meet Your Maker had a lot of uh, new content and patches added to it. Um, they fixed a a bug with one of their their traps, which was great. So I'm curious how that affects the map designs. But yeah, it seems like if remote play works pretty well, I might just uh, remote play because I I know they got some. Uh, more i need to finish the deadpool dlc for uh midnight suns and they have the storm dlc come out and the venom well the venom dlc and the storm dlc and i didn't uh do the venom dlc yet because i gotta do dead finish deadpool but um i might try to see how remote play goes there um and do that because then i can remote play and maybe watch something at the same time or, or whatnot and if it tends to perform pretty well then it should be good uh all right, well, I guess I'll wrap it up for this episode. Um, it felt like we were going on longer than we actually were because we had a lot of talk about it packed in there. <laughs> uh, all right, well, thank you for all tuning in. Listening. Thank you, Izzy. Thank you, Zyra, for joining. Yep. And we'll see you all next time. Later. Bye.